And turn in your pew Bibles to page 1524. We'll be reading out of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 25. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, well, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day that he would be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall not happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind of the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus says to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. They must take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, they will find it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. Today we continue tools of the trade. Change some things up here a little bit. <coughs> Everybody needs a set of bongos, right? Come on, you know if you walked into your office with a set of bongos, then things would change, wouldn't they? Right? They certainly would. But we have different tools of the trade. We have a drill and a paddle. What's it called, Sean? A what? Drywall. It's a drywall beater. These are Sean's. He let me borrow it while I was trying to fix my house. <laughs> Computer, all that stuff that we all need. Painting supplies, and then probably one of the most needed tools of the trade. Mm, yeah, see? I knew you guys could talk. Coffee, right? Oh, and you know what? One of the neatest things is, too. I know I get distracted. Squirrel! But <laughs> you can tell a lot about people by the mugs they have in their house, right? Can't you? So, you know what this is? This is Thor's hammer. 
but it's a mug. Kind of cool, huh? Then you have these other ones, and then there's this, this one here. This one says Mr. Fabulous on it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody got me this. Do you know who? I did. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that great? <laughs> we'll just leave that right there. Anyway. But you can. You can tell a lot about somebody from the tools that they need and what they've put their hands to. You can tell um, how good they are at what they do because they take care in the tools that they get for what they need and they want to make sure they get the right ones. Today, we're going to be talking about fasting. This is probably going to go into next week and, and maybe even the week after because there's a lot to discuss with it. Fasting isn't really known. We know of some different things in Scripture about fasting. But fasting, generally speaking, has to do with food or the lack thereof. Right? <clears throat> one of the interesting things about fasting, as it being one of the disciplines from Scripture and one of the tools of our trade in, in living this Christian life to the fullest, is that it is one of the things that is not required in Scripture when it comes to the New Testament. It isn't. We can read all about how we are supposed to be reading our Bibles, how God invites us into a, a time of prayer with Him, right? We talk about those things, and it's very clear in Scripture, and we'll get into, the, into those in the weeks to come. But fasting isn't required. It's one of those things to where you can choose to do it if you want to go to the next level. Is it beneficial? Absolutely, and we'll get into that. Is it helpful? Yes. Does it have impact and create impact? Yes, it does. But is it required? No. It was in the Old Testament. That was part of it. That was one of the laws. But it became a ritual. Ever get into tradition? And all of a sudden we do things because we do things, not because we really understand what we're doing. We just do it because it's the thing to do. That's what fasting was. And that's what happened with fasting. As a matter of fact, Jesus was asked, why? Why don't your disciples fast? Clearly, they are not holy. Clearly, they are not righteous because they're not fasting like we do. And Jesus' response was, there'll come a day when the bridegroom is gone and I am no longer with them, then they will do it. Well, what does that say about fasting then? Though not required, does that not even say that that puts you in a closer connection with him? That it deepens your relationship, allows it to be more intimate? Absolutely. Is it required? No. Is it beneficial? Yes. It is. Throughout Scripture, we see different points in which people fasted. Anywhere from three days to a meal to 40 days. Esther and Esther chapter 4 for three days. 
Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, 10 days. Daniel and Daniel chapter 10, 21 days, which is one of the most ultimate spiritual warfare battles that, has, that takes place in Scripture. Daniel chapter 10. <clears throat> Moses, Exodus 34, 40 days. Elijah, 1 Kings 19, 40 days. Jesus in the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4, 40 days. Fasting in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Even in Mark chapter 9, Jesus talks to his disciples. And though he had said that my disciples will fast when I'm gone, he tells them, if you want to cast out demonic spirits, then these come out by prayer and fasting. He wasn't telling his disciples that they couldn't fast until he left. He was just saying that they will understand the need for it when he left. So when we talk about fasting, first off, we start thinking about not eating. Yes, nobody goes, yay, this is great. All of a sudden, when you start talking about fasting, sometimes what happens, I'm just going to talk about my own personal experience, there's this huge sense of loss, right? All of a sudden, you realize what you love. And I went through a time in my life when a bag of Doritos nacho cheese chips were worth a million dollars. I'm not kidding. The smell of them made me drool. We had a great Dane. His name was Goliath. Great dog. Big dog. But he got into some sweet tarts one time. And he enjoyed it, no doubt. But from that day forward, if you held a sweet tart up to him, he didn't even have to taste it. He would drool. That's me with Doritos when it came to that point in time. So really, this, this whole thing with fasting, for my own personal journey, was God revealing to me something He wanted to deal with in my life. Do you guys know the term hangry? Yeah. You're, you're, you are hungry and angry all at the same time. Okay, that was me. Since I was, <laughs> I think since I came into the world, is that right, Mom? <laughs> if I'm hungry, I'm screaming. I just did it differently as I got older. But I was always like that. And so God was just like, look, and there again, you got to be really vulnerable. And you have to be very honest and real with yourself. And go, does my quote-unquote hangry benefit my testimony? You can answer that question for me. Does it benefit my testimony? No. It does not. Because I allowed myself to go from this person to this person, and it didn't benefit at all. Because I would get frustrated. I'm like, we'll walk in from the house, you know, be nice. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Walk into the house. Man, I'm hungry. Excuse me, move, please. I need to get a sandwich ASAP. 
it, it made me shift at points from one person to another. Now, I'm not like the Incredible Hulk, but fact of the matter is, am I consistent? No, I wasn't. And so God wanted to address that with me. So we started on a journey. And it was go without lunch. Okay. Now this journey went for years because God gave me this whole plan on what he wanted to do. And it was during this time that I began to understand that fasting wasn't just going without food. Fasting is a walk of faith. Fasting is about the close relationship with God. Fasting is looking at those things that you have in your life that don't need to be there, that block my intimacy with the Lord and remove them. Fasting for me was about denying myself. Denying myself. Not just the Doritos and Snickerdoodles and all that great stuff. But about allowing me to act and react in ways that were not pleasing to the Lord. Mm -hmm. We're getting deep, aren't we? That's it. And so I thought, okay, a meal, I can handle it. Why? Why did I think that? Because I'm a competitor. I can beat this. I can win. So I got one meal under my belt. The next week was two meals. The next week was three, one a day. And then the next week was a day and a meal. And then I'm like, God, where, where are we going with this? And he's like, I'll tell you. All those fasts that I just talked to you about in Scripture, that's where we're going. Three-day, 10-day, 21-day, 40-day. Okay. Now keep in mind, this is a years and years process. And so we get to the point where it's three days. Then he let me do seven days. I didn't have to jump to ten, and that was wonderful. But still, I had this mindset, I can do this, I can beat it. And it was moment by moment that it began to just stop. Me going, I can win, I can beat this, I can do this. And it's like, what does God want to do in my life? And so he began to highlight different things. And so we went three days, and we went seven days, and ten days. And it was the ten-day mark that I really understood all of that I just talked to, to you about, about being hangry. That it's like, I have to let this go. And it doesn't own me. It doesn't own me. He owns me. So God, I need your help to defeat this. Because I can't do it. So it's during this time of not eating. And if you think about it, you're like, you're not eating. Okay, so all the time that you use to prepare your meal, all the time that you sit there and eat, all the time that you take to clean up, what do you do with all that? Because all of a sudden, i got time on my hands. Read. Pray. Get in your quiet place. 
and search out from here those things that he is dealing with in your life. That's what you do. That time is an offering to him. And it will change you. And you will not be the same person that you were. Because it's about surrender. Remember, denial of self. Well, you know, man, Pastor Ian, isn't it enough that I'm giving up food? Do I also have to discipline myself to read the Bible and pray? Yes. Yes. Because it is shaping you. He is shaping you into what you need to be and what He designed you to be to create the impact that He wants to create through you. But you have to give things up. It's taking up your cross. And that was me. I enjoy food. It was also, I found out, my comfort. It was my go-to. It was my safety net. It was my point of socialization with people. Not him. But he began to shape and mold and change that. And so we went on in our journey, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in the coming weeks. But I learned a lot about who he is and how miraculous he is and how much I can trust him with. And it built my faith because I saw the miraculous. I saw the miraculous. I'll get into it a little bit later, but just one point is when I started my 40-day fast, it was go as long as you can without anything. No food, no water. Go as long as you can. My 40-day fast, I started with 10 days with no food and water. Now, those in the medical community understand that that's not healthy. But I'm sitting here talking about it with no organ damage. So, you learn a lot about who he is and what you can trust him with. I trust him with my life. I do. I trust Him with all I have. Everything that He's given me. Everything that He's allowed me to have and the privilege that I have to, to be and to do what He's given me. So church, with, with that, there's something I need to share with you. And it is, a, it is news concerning my position as pastor. Before I get into the details of it, I just want to thank every one of you for allowing me to be here and to do these things that he has called me to do, that he has allowed us and our family to do and to be a part of, for allowing me to grow, to practice, 
my calling and my purpose and to to be it is a tremendous privilege that I have gotten to do this but the time has come for me to step away there are many things that God allows me to be a part of and to do and it is time for me to step into those roles fully many of you know that I work with an organization called the Fulcrum Center it is an organization that Julie and I and another family in Virginia started in 2015 it is designed to help people be and do what God has created them to be and do to help them find their purpose their identity their gifts their talents And in doing that, with my role there as founder and president, things have expanded and grown greatly. I need to be available for that. The things that God allows us to do and the miraculous connection that God has allowed Phil and I to, to have, things have grown. And there are things that I need to further step in to be available to do. We have other team members with the Fulcrum Center. As we speak right now, one of our team members is flying to Egypt. And her role there is to represent the Fulcrum Center to the global sports movement, which is a Christian organization that inserts all of the things that we've been learning and, and teaching into the sports world from professional athletes to college level athletes to high school and the Fulcrum Center has been invited to be on the board of that and to be a lead member for North America So those are some of the things that I need to have my hands on and be a part of and to pastor. So I'm not leaving to go to another church. I'm not leaving to step into a role that pays a whole lot of money. It's not about that. It's about being obedient. It's about following his lead. It's about turning in the back of your Bibles, and if you look at the maps where you see Paul go from city to city, that's us. That's what I do. That's what we do. So are we leaving right now? No. We're not. My last Sunday is going to be the end of April, April 24th. At this point, the DS is prayerfully and diligently looking into and seeking God's heart on what's the next for the church. But you are in God's hand. You need to know that. This isn't a surprise to him or the person who's going to be stepping in. But the DS is taking care of all of that. And he'll be in touch and work with the SPRC. 
Are we leaving the valley right away? I don't think so. I don't know. Here's what I know. For me to step into, and for our family to step into our next, I need to step from here. That's all I know. And I'm, I'm willing to follow. That's how I got here. So if I came in a unique way, what would make us think it would be any less unique to step away? We've seen God be and do. We have, and we still are. And he has great plans for you. He does. I want to be open and transparent if there's any questions that anybody has, if they have any comments. Find me, talk to me, ask me, set up a time to go to lunch or breakfast or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. But I want to be open and honest and share with you what I know when I know it. So for the next couple months, we're going to hang out and continue to do what God has had us do up to this point and continue to move forward. Love y'all. And just thank you. Thank you for letting thank you for letting me be different. For letting me be me. Thank you for being there for us and with us and um, making the impact that we've made. There'll be some things that will continue that, um, as far as the Fulcrum Center and all is concerned here in the area, continue working up on the hill on the radio station. We're going to continue doing the radio and the podcasts and everything that we've been doing. Um, we've been working on doing them remote to make sure that all of that can work. Um, at this point in time, there's always going to be some type of a physical presence of the Fulcrum Center here in Bel Air. That's what I know. And I also know that the work is not done in this area. And I know that I'm still part of it. So, I'll be back. <laughs> but it's to be and do what God continues to want to do in this area. And I'll continue to be a part of that. So, thank you all. Thank you for your love and your concern and your friendship. It means the world to me. Let us pray. We'll be dismissed. Father, Lord God, I thank you for your blessing, your love. God, thank you for just being you. God, for meeting us where we are. And taking us to the next. Not, God, you're just not willing to leave us in the place we are. 
because you see so many great and marvelous things for us in these days to come. Father, and I thank you. I thank you for, for doing so much in so many lives. And Father, for preparing God, thank you. I thank you for your hand upon each one that's here. God, I thank you for your hand upon this church. Father, this region, Lord, you've done so much to prepare everything to move to the next. And Father, I pray that we engage you deeply and earnestly to understand what it is that you have for the next. And Father, that as we learn that, as we understand it, that Father, we would just make a deep commitment within our hearts to go after it, to stay the course that you've given us. And Father, we look for your help we look for your comfort, Father, your peace, your strength, and we look for your miracles to allow us to move forward. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.